Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Welcome into the midweek podcast. Very exciting stuff here today. Joined alongside Mr. Alex Day, a guest of the podcast on this week's edition. I'm Will Connerly, and he is Charlie Bornoff. But Alex Day, he's joining the podcast here today. He's a big LSU baseball fan. He's also a contributor to College Baseball Central and also helps and co uh, hosts, produces uh, the Weekend Rotation pro- Podcast, and obviously he is a NCBWA member. There's a lot more to him, though, than that. We're going to get into all of that and all his opinions here during this podcast. Alex, welcome to the show, and before we get into this top 25 that everybody's all bent out of shape about, let's first have you tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks, Well, I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, man, I've just been, like you said, a big college baseball fan growing up with watching LSU. But, you know, since then, it's really grown. I really just love the sport in general. Been working with College Baseball Central for the last couple of years, doing the weekend rotation with them. Uh, then this year, I just started doing a podcast called The Hot Corner, uh, doing covering SEC baseball with, uh, you know, my friend uh, AJ. And then we're doing it with uh, the In Off the Bench podcast network with Jim Cross, uh, who's doing good work, uh, spreading the good word of uh, college baseball throughout the throughout the land. Yeah, I mean, Charlie, there's a lot of good words, and I think without further words, ado, right? Without there's a lot, and without further ado, I think this is a great word, and it's two of them. We're gonna start with our number one team. We're gonna go all the way down to twenty five, and again, we're gonna use D1Baseball.com's rankings um, to break this down. One day in the future, we might have our own rankings, but for now, let's just use an established list, so to speak, and that is uh, Mike Rooney and the rest of the gang who puts this together. And number one, Wake. Forest. We'll start there. The Demon Deacons, of course, they're the best team in the country. Most of last year had that electric game against LSU and they bounced out. Paul Skeens, Rhett Louder, we know the drill, but a 54-win team that adds a guy like Chase Burns, that that returns a guy like Nick Kurtz, uh, there's a lot to like about this group. And I'll start with you, Alex, um, and then we'll get a lot of sense, not just two, a lot of sense from Charlie Bornoff thereafter. But uh, tell us a little bit about your thoughts about the Demon Deacons. Number one, no surprise, but of course, uh, a, a big expectation for them, opposed to last year where it felt like they were kind of sleeping around the eight, nine spot in the preseason. Yeah. You know, last year people were kind of unsure what they were going to be, where they really going to live up to the hype. And man, they sure did last year. They were one of the best teams. And I mean, that Paul Skeens, Rhett Louder matchup last year in Omaha was probably the best college baseball game I've ever watched in my life. It was awesome. Um, and this team just reloaded. I mean, they lost a ton of talent off of last year's team, but this team just reloaded. Like you said, Nick Kurtz, uh, Chase Burns coming in from Tennessee. You got Seaver King coming in uh, from mm-hmm. Wingate. You know, I mean, those those guys are, are uh, some real dudes. And, uh, you know, Josh Hartle coming back was huge for them. We got Michael Massey coming back. I mean, the, the pitching staff is loaded. Uh, you know, the, the hitters are loaded and they're, they are ready to make another Omaha run. Yeah. I'm agree with Alex. I think this probably is the most loaded team, maybe in all of college baseball. Um, 
typically when a team makes the college world series, you expect maybe a little bit of a regression. And I think the most you can possibly say, looking at this team off the top, that would be any kind of air quotes regression is maybe the fact that Chase Burton simply isn't right louder. But with that being said, I do find that I'm very excited about watching Chase Burns. Not only because we've seen the track record at Tennessee already, and he did struggle last year, but to his credit, I think what people might overlook at times is the fact that I really expect that Chase Burns, when Vitello came, was like, hey, we need you to come out of the bullpen. I think that's the best way you can help our team win. He did do that. So that kind of shows me that you are a team player without, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know, I don't know the guy, so I don't know him personally. But with that being said, I think. The thing I'm most excited about this team this year, um, one is Seaver King because I just I'm always excited to see D two guys with a lot of buzz, and I'm very, very curious to see how he makes that leap from going from D two at Wingate, then going to the ACC, pretty much the second best conference in all of college baseball. And the second part that I'm very excited about, I think, is the true like the the peak of the strength of this mighty arsenal that is Wake Forest is Josh Hartle and Chase Burns. I'm a big Josh Hartle guy. I think he's going to be contention for pitcher of the year. I also think Chase Burns can be there because while he didn't struggle last year, if there's going to be a guy that can right the wrongs of a pitcher, it's going to be a guy like Corey Mascara and what they have going over on Wake Forest, that pitching lab. Yeah, and there's not many wrongs with a guy like Chase Burns, but I'm completely there with you, right? He he had some things where he allowed some runs last year um, in, in some certain scenarios. But again, once he came out of the bullpen, he was lights out. He's expected to be in the rotation per our recent conversation with Corey Mascaro with Josh Hartle. And as you mentioned, uh, Michael Massey, that's a rotation right there. And then, of course, Crazy. Cole Rowland in the back end it, it is legit. They got some great guys. They really do. And I'm looking forward to Seaver King as well, patrolling center field as expected. And again, a guy from Wingate, a team that won a national title a couple of years back. Wake Forest is certainly going to be in a conversation just like that. Uh, moving forward moving forward with our rankings the number two team is a team that also won 54 games that also has an electric man his name is jack caglione and it's the florida gators alex the florida gators in the sec and i know a conference you cover very heavily it's always interesting because you're going to see 12 sec teams 15 sec teams all every single sec team uh contend with the top 25 but the florida gators at least on this occasion, seem like they're kind of cut from a different fabric in that LSU uh, breath a little bit with how good they are. Yeah, you know Kevin O'Sullivan, he doesn't uh, he doesn't miss a beat. You know he just reloads and he's done it again this year. That lineup could be could lead the nation in home runs. I mean, you talk about Jack Caglione. I mean, he had thirty three last year, and then you bring in a guy like Colby Shelton, who had you know from Alabama, who had. Yes. An insane freshman year. He hit 25 home runs as a freshman, and you add him to Jack Caglione, and you already got Cade Carlin there. Ty Evans had a huge college world series for them and really, uh, you know, kind of came on this, burst onto the scene there in Omaha. Um, you know, and then, it, you know, they don't have, they don't return some of their best guys on the mound. Uh, but, you know, Cade Fisher is looking to take a big step up. Uh, you know, if they, if this team does have a question mark for me, it's going to be, uh, you know, that pitching staff. But, Kevin O'Sullivan's a pitching guy. So, you know, if he's if anybody's going to have the pitching staff ready to go, it's going to be Kevin O'Sullivan. But that lineup is scary good. Yeah, Alex, I agree totally on everything you're saying. Um, I do agree that if there is a question mark with this team, it's definitely the pitching staff, just more so. We all, I think we all know Cade Fisher, Liam Peterson, Jack Caglione definitely possess the potential and talent 
to be an elite staff. The question is whether we will see that. I'm obviously, I think it's fair to say, I would imagine amongst the group that we're probably more confident in what Cade Fisher can do as that Friday guy to spearhead this starting rotation. I know Liam Peterson from reports, they're saying he was lighting up in the fall. So I think that's kind of an encouraging sign, especially it's like what Alex was, I was saying. If you're lighting up against uh, this Florida, you know, one through nine, you're probably going to fare pretty well against a lot of other teams. But there should still obviously be um, growing pains to be expected from being a freshman in that kind of lineup. And then the last thing I'll say, too, about that is um, when you have a pitching staff that is a little unproven and um, does have the talent, you just need to figure it out. It's always nice to have a catcher who's been there and played before and has good experience. And that's kind of what I see in sophomore Luke Heyman, who last year already hit 314 with 12 homers as a freshman in the SEC. So having him back with already knowing Kate Fisher and Caglione and then now having a full year of practice and work with Liam Peterson, that does um, provide hope that we, I can believe in what this pitching staff can do. Yeah, and speaking of belief and speaking of the SEC, a team that came in at number three, the Razorbacks of Arkansas. And, and this is a team that just has come together, so to speak. I mean, they are so electric every year. If they're not in the top 10, there's a problem. There, There's some, I mean, I don't remember a time when they're not highly touted. They're very highly touted this year. And for good reason, Alex, they they not only bring some some thumpers back in the lineup and some arms back in the rotation, uh, but the way that the Razorbacks go, I mean, who doesn't want to go down to Fayetteville and play some baseball? They add some talent as well, and I think that's the advantage of a lot of SEC teams. You're going to add some talent, and that's certainly what the Razorbacks have done. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Dan Van Horn doesn't skip a beat. He's always got the Razorbacks ready to compete. Uh, you know, they, they brought in, uh, you know, a good number of transfers. You know, you look, especially from Texas Tech, right? You look at like Mason Molina, Hudson White coming in. Um, Arkansas is loaded at catcher. You know, Parker Rowland, Hudson White. Uh, they got a freshman that came in, too, that's going to push for some playing time. Um, his name escapes me right now. But, uh, you know, they're they're loaded at catcher. They're loaded on the mound. I mean, Hagen Smith, yes. Brady Tigert, Mason Molina. Then you got Gage Wood coming out the the bullpen. You know, Will McIntyre still there. I mean, they've got just a ton of arms. And then, but then you got guys like Kendall Diggs and Peyton Stovall coming back, who can absolutely mash. This is a this team's gonna be led by the pitching staff, but their uh, their lineup is nothing to uh, sneeze at either. No, totally. Uh, I'm I'm not going to spend too much time on Hagen Smith because if you're somebody that's listening to the podcast, everybody knows how much I glaze that guy as it is. So we don't need I don't I don't need to talk about that too much. The thing I want to focus on because we I think it's impressive and it's people know this at this point. I've been so impressed with how Van Horn has so quickly adapted to the changing landscape of college baseball in terms of getting year in and year out um, elite transfers to come fill spots, which typically were filled before that with transfers that either he holds for when he gets that freshman that he wants to come on campus or not. So with that being said, Alex, you kind of mentioned them a couple, a little bit. Hudson White, I think is a really good signing to get out of Texas tech. Um, Ty Will- Willsmeyer from Missouri, I think was actually very underrated um, transfer in this year after he hit three thirteen a year ago from Missouri as well as the fact that he did steal 21 basis. There is some speed that he provides for this Razorback squad and then, like you mentioned, to Mason Molina as well. And the guy that I do think might be a little overlooked, mainly because, and fairly so to an extent, because 
Texas Tech plays in the Big 12. Mizzou is obviously a, a SEC school. But um, I'm going to butcher his name, and I apologize for this. is bad journalism on my part. But Wewa Aloe from Sac- Sacramento State, he's really intriguing to me because he lit it up last year. He had 376. He had 14 homers and 15 RBIs in a full slate of um, at-bats as a freshman. I think that really – when I see numbers like that, it's hard not to focus on those. So I'll be keeping a close eye on what he can do in the SEC because that is obviously a very different beast than what they were playing over at Sac State. That's exactly – Right. And I think that the way they add talent, it's just fun to watch. And I think that speaking of adding talent, let's go down to number four. No team in the country added more talent than LSU did coming in at number four in D1Baseball.com's rankings. We're going to give D1 Baseball, obviously, all the pub on this podcast. But hell, nobody added more talent. Than one man that was their Friday night guy a season ago. The fact that they had a couple guys picked right off the board in the MLB draft. That's LSU, right? And when when you have two guys go that high and you have a ring on your ring finger after the year, you think, okay, what's next? And what's next for me is I'm excited. I'm excited about Thatcher Hurd. I'm excited about Luke Holman. I'm very excited about Gage Jump. I mean, the rotation on this team is unreal. And then you got an experienced guy like Mac Bingham. You got Jared Jones who can lay into a baseball better than anybody. And yes, I saved the best for last. Tommy Tanks, another guy that was added on to this team. And Tommy White with 24 bombs and 24 doubles a year ago. Well, yeah, he's pretty good too. I mean, it's hard not to just start salivating when you look at this roster and this lineup and Hayden Travinsky who can just hit 350 in his sleep on the lineup as well. I mean, this, this team is unreal. They have salt, they have spice, and like, you know what, there's question marks when you lose a Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens, sure, but it feels like they're they're going to be filled uh, pretty pretty nicely as well. And Alex, uh, you should take the floor on this because this is your squad. Yeah, you know, I, uh, I talked to Jay Johnson a couple weeks ago, and, uh, you know, one of the things we talked about is how you, you can't replace Dylan Cruz and Paul Skeens. Those yeah. guys are once-in-a-generation talents, and the fact that they got them on the same team at the same time is kind of incredible. Uh, but you can, you're going to have to replace them in the aggregate, you know, the old, the old money ball line, right? And, um, you know, I think they've done a really good job of, you know, putting this pitching staff together. You know, last year, everybody was down on the bullpen at LSU, right? That was, that was kind of seen as the weakness. Uh, but, man, this year the bullpen is stacked. Oh, my god! I mean, you mentioned the, the starting rotation is really good. You know, a lot of people were really down on Thatcher Hurd. But, man, you take out – he had, like, two bad starts. Yes. If you take those out, then he's an All-American pitcher from last yes, year. Alex. Like, yes, Alex. Yes, <laughs> Alex. Yes. Uh, and then, you know, you got Gavin Guidry coming in to close the door like he did in, in uh, Omaha last year. And then you you brought in, um, you know, like you said, uh, I think the, the big the the big key for them is going to be Michael Braswell coming in yeah. and playing shortstop for them. I mean, Jordan Thompson – he had his ups and downs, you know, I'm not going to say he was a perfect shortstop by any okay. means, but you know, he held down, he was a three-year starter at shortstop at LSU. Uh, and Oh, by the way, every other shortstop that was a shortstop at LSU before him is playing in the major league baseball right now. Yeah. So, you know, that's a pretty big deal. Uh, so he was a really good player and he held it down there. And so Michael Braswell is going to have a lot uh, on his shoulders there. Um, but the, the words out of, Fall camp and out of you know the early practices in spring on Michael Braswell as he has made a big leap uh, with his bat. Uh, okay. So we'll see. Uh, I'll, be, I'll be looking forward to watching that. 
That's exciting. And Alex, uh, you didn't know this before coming to the pod, but um, I know I've said this a couple times when we were talking off camera, but if there is one person I am the biggest truther of, it is Thatcher Hurd. And you, you, you agreeing with my philosophy of Thatcher was music to my ears. So I'm not going to spend too much time on him. Um, things. So actually, I'll say one thing about Thatcher. I take that back. Because what you said, what um, Jay Johnson had said, you can't replace Paul Skeens and you can't replace Dylan Cruz. So to any LSU fan listening that is expecting Thatcher Hurd to be Paul Skeens, just get that out of your head. Throw that away. He'll be Keep good, on though. driving. Don't yeah. look in the rearview mirror. He's a hell of a ball player, but he's not Paul Skeens. Nobody's Paul Skeens besides Paul Skeens. Um, with that being said, another a guy I like on the staff because of his experience, and I like the his versatility in with in the starting rotation, possibly in the midweek or just in the bullpen as well. Is Nate Atkinhausen? I love the fact that he's kind of in my mind. It's he's kind of my oh shit pitcher at times too, where like if you need him in a high leverage situation, you can do that, or if like Holman hurt or jump is just in a really bad situation. You can get Nate in there, or if he's on the midweek, he can win you a midweek game no matter what. Um, the other thing I'll talk about before we go into the next one too is uh, when we had Corey Mascaro on, Will, we were talking. He was talking about how um, people get too critical of freshmen at times, and this guy, no one's critical of him per se, but he made the point that if you're a freshman pitcher in the ACC, for example, and you have a five ERA, you're probably a pretty darn good ball player if you could put up a four or five in the ACC. Mm-hmm. So when you hit 356 with 10 homers. 127 at bats and Hayden Travinsky. Yes. As a freshman. Or oh, I'm sorry, not as a freshman. What am I talking about? I'm tweaking about that. I've totally misread that. Anyways, I'm talking about Hayden Travinsky anyways, because I'm excited to see Hayden Travinsky in a full in a full um workload, I should say, with at bats, because I do think he is a really rock solid ball player. And I think he's an underrated part of this lineup because we kind of already know what Jared Jones did, the actual freshman who did cook last year in 203 yes. at bats. So I'm, we all I think I'm not Worry about him, he's going to progress as well. We talked about Michael Braswell. We've seen what Mac Bean can do in the Pac-12. Saying Travinsky is one of those key bats where if he takes another step forward, this just helps elevate the LSU lineup even to another level. There's a lot to say about that team. There is a lot, and I think we will continue to talk about them as we continue things on the Midweek Podcast. But when we continue things here on the rankings, there's no team I want to talk about more than number five. And that is the TCU Horn Frogs. And for those that don't know, most don't care. I'm just recently <laughs> moved right to this area, have a little bit of pulse on this program, and they are legit in every sense of the word. They are. And I I think that they're my pick right now to win a national championship. Ooh. So I think they're going to be the best team in their conference they got a Curtis Byrne as a redshirt senior who's legit. They got Peyton Chatagnier from Ole Miss who's going to be an everyday starter you'd expect. And they have the second best behind Jack Caglione, two-way player in the country, in Peyton Tolley from Wichita State. He can hit over 300. He can win you 10 games on the mound. I mean, this guy is slept on in every sense of the imagination. For a team that went to the College World Series last year, a team that has six trips, half a dozen trips to their name as a program, hell, they are going to be making some noise this year. And I'm very excited for Kirk Sarr losing company because this is a team... Uh, I I mean, I just cannot wait 
to see them and I'm going to try to see them as much as I can in person, but man, you got a, you got a rotation and I would think Tolly's going to be right in it as well as an everyday DH form as well. He's legit and I can't wait to see him. Yeah, he is legit, Will, and I'm glad you kind of brought up Kirk Sarlus as well because before I start talking about the players, I want to commend Kirk for the job he's done replacing a legend like Schlossenagel, where I, even though you obviously have all the resources of a TCU, that still comes with the expectations of keeping TCU baseball where it needs to be, and it does a little bit of a mixed bag maybe, but I think this is a team that is kind of primed to uh, take that real step into being the kind of TCU that we remember and know and the kind of powerhouse they are. Will, you already kind of talked about Peyton. Uh, the real star of this team, though, is we like you said, is Anthony Silva. He's mm, one of the best yeah. shortstops, if not the best shortstop in all, all the country this year. That's right. Uh, I'm very excited to see what he has in store this season because I think he's probably going to be a little better. And then we're <laughs> a very um, not sound like a broken record talking about transfers here, and certainly not the star of this team. But I do like what Peyton Chatnier brings to this team. He's not going to blow you away with the bat, but what I do really like is him with Silva up the middle is going to be a very, a very rock-solid defense that I'm not going to worry about whatsoever with the Horned Frogs. Yeah, you know, Peyton Chatnier, he's a veteran second baseman. You know, uh, big, you know, he won a ring at Ole Miss. He's played a lot of baseball. Oh, yeah. Um, and he's going to be, you know, a good leader for this team. Uh, you know, you mentioned Peyton Toll. I love Anthony Silva. Uh, he made some absolutely ridiculous plays in Omaha last year. Uh, it was just, it was gross. Uh, and another guy that we haven't mentioned yet, that's probably going to, that's going to lead this rotation is Cole Klecker. Yep. He was nails in Omaha. And I'm a big Cole Klecker fan. I met him there. And, uh, yeah, I think this team is is poised to make another Omaha run for sure. Yeah, and you and I'm glad you brought up Klecker. And you also think about Zach Morris, right? Yeah. <laughs> and, like, I really like this team. And it's Toll, not Tolly. I appreciate that uh, that catch right there. But, again, you're going to get his name right, I guarantee it, by the end of the year. Because when you look at what he did at Wichita State, you just say, man, like they really have one of the best two-way players in the country. And that's with Jack Caglione. But that's also enough said about number five. Let's move on to number six. It's Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, again, they're synonymous with the top 25 every single year. And for good reason. I mean, it seems like every year they do everything right, right? They do everything the correct way. They get to the College World Series quite a bit. Obviously, they had that run in 2021, the last time that they went. Uh, I I love Maldonado as a first baseman, one of the best in the SEC. And again, Carter Holton, I mean, you talk about pitcher of the years in the country. He's got to be a candidate as well. And this, this, I mean, Devin Futrell is another guy that just excelled last year. So they've got a lot to like. Yeah, they do. Um, for everybody at home listening, this Vanderbilt team is giving me very 1980s Cardinal baseball vibes where you're not going to see the ball get out of the park a whole lot. But what we're going to see is really good pitching top to bottom, starting rotation, all the way through the bullpen. Will, you kind of ran through Card Holton, definitely should be getting should be a preseason kind of guy for pitcher of the year, at least consideration. I even said Fatrell could maybe get there potentially on as a as a dark horse. Uh, a guy though that I'm excited about and could potentially be the closer for the team uh, is the brother of a former Vanderbilt stud, Ethan yes! McLevain, at closer. I've heard a lot of good things coming out of camp about him. 
Chris McElvain. And then another guy, talk, keep talking about transfer. I'm a broken record of this transfer stuff. But um, Jaden Davis, that DH, uh, raked last year at Samford. You know, Samford's obviously not the SEC, but, you know, just ask Sonny Dietrich. He made a fine transition over at Auburn. Um, so Jaden Davis, I think, is a very exciting player. And I'll come back to that as well. Jaden Davis, I have another comment about that. But, um, RJ Austin is another guy who I think could be a real leader in this offense and just the team in general. I think Corbin's talked about it, right? He's kind of taken more of a leadership role with this team. I think we'll get the seal. I think he'll be improved this upcoming year. It's going to be interesting not seeing, it's going to be weird seeing, not seeing Enrique Bradfield in center field now for Vanderbilt. And before I get over to Alex, I'll just I gotta say this too. Am I crazy? It feels like every single offseason, there's like five like stud Sanford guys that transfer out to big time schools. Yeah, I think you're right. You know, Sanford has really produced a lot of really uh, electric players. I mean, you think about like, uh, you know, Sonny D um, and then uh, Tyler McManus at LSU yep. a couple years ago. Uh, you know, there's there's been a lot of Sanford transfers. Uh, you know, that's a that's a good it's a solid baseball program. Yeah. You know, and the one starting pitcher that you didn't mention that uh, that I'm going to mention here is Andrew Dukanich. You know, I think yep. he's going to be a big, uh, you know, a real a big key for them. You know, if he can make that jump from a reliever last year. I mean, he was nails as a reliever last year, you know, sub three ERA. And if he can make that jump as a, to a starter, you know, that's really going to solidify their rotation, you know, but if he struggles, you know, I'm not sure about, you know, maybe the, the pitching depth that maybe not be there as much as it has been in past years for them. Uh, but, you know, I think they're going to be a, a really solid squad that's going to play really solid baseball. Like you said, Charlie, they're not they're not necessarily going to lead the nation in home runs like Florida. Yeah. But, uh, you know, they're going to just going to play really solid baseball and they're going to pitch it well. They're going to defend well and they're just going to do the things to win. They yeah. will. And that's kind of it kind of feels like encapsulate Tim Corbin as a vibe as a whole, which I kind of which feels very poetic for this upcoming year. It does, and I think that when you look at this team, another guy on the mound too, Grayson Carter's on this roster as a junior as well, and, and he has some electric stuff. I mean, he really does. I think he 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 walked a little bit too many guys last year, but overall, I think that if he can channel in that that stuff, he's a guy that that, that I think he could find himself in this rotation, maybe midweek starter, maybe crack the weekend. He he's legit. Obviously, R.J. Austin's going to have big shoes to fill in center field. Um, but, yeah, I, I'm with y'all. I'm with y'all so much on this team and Tim Corbin. And we move out to number seven. It's Oregon State, a team that knows how to hoist trophies, a team out west that just gets the job done in every single way. And I think that it's interesting, right, here on the Midweek Podcast, like, we start with number one, and at, we don't have many bad things to say about any of the top 25 teams. No. So it just sounds like we're just loving and adoring every single team that we talk about. But there's quite a bit to like about Oregon State, and I hope that I'm not sounding too hyped up on one team, but I think that you could say they have a, a surefire Golden Spikes All-American uh, candidate playing second base. And I, I tell me a better second baseman in the country than Mr. Bazanza. Bazanza. Bazanza? Is that right, Alex? Bazana. Oh, that's what I thought it was. Bazana. Okay. Score one for Travis Bazana. Travis Bazana. And that's a name, again, you have to get right. Just like Toll, just like Bazana. 
I mean, is he the best player in the country is a, a legitimate question headed into this year after he hit 20 doubles, 11 homers, and 374 and stole 36 bases last year. Yeah, I mean, if I mean, it's funny you ask that question because there is only one other second baseman you can really think of an argument. It's J.J. Weatherholt over at West Virginia. Yeah. But we're talking about Oregon State baseball right now, so we're not going to talk about J.J. Um, another guy might be in that infield with him and is kind of the successor in terms of the hype building around him already to – has to replace Travis, but the next Oregon middle Oregon State middle infielder that could be a stud is Trent Caraway. So I'm very excited to watch Trent this year. I kind of think he's the kind of kid that when you hear, I obviously I am just in St. Louis, Missouri, so I don't get a chance to see what he's doing in the fall with my own eyes. But when you hear certain things and you read certain things about players and about um, freshmen like that, and the fact he's probably going to be a starting third baseman at Oregon State and a school like that, that kind of speaks volumes in my eyes to what he can do. And then another guy, his shortstop um, counterpart, who I'm very excited about. I'm very excited about this infield, if you can't tell already, because I'm also very high on Mason Guerrero as well at first base. But a guy I want to talk a little bit more about, because I feel like he didn't get a lot of love last year, was Elijah Hayline, who at, is going to be a junior this year, hit three thirty seven, had 12 homers and 12 um, doubles with 10 stolen bases. I think both of those could probably climb a little bit more. Obviously not, I don't think he's going to be going a 2020 season by anything like that, but... I do think he's one of the, I think it's those kind of players where they're the mid they're mid tier stars in college baseball, and if they can produce and get better, I think those are the kind of guys that move your team into that true, not just making Omaha, but really chasing after the hardware kind of team. Yeah, certainly. I mean, this lineup is is really stacked, and it's not typically what you think about when you think about an Oregon State team, mm-hmm. right? Normally, you're thinking about lights out pitching, uh, and then you know, kind of small ball team, but that's not this team. That's not what this team's going to be. I mean, you, you mentioned Bazana and Guerrero and Caraway, uh, but uh, two guys that I'm going to really have my eyes on this year, uh, Gavin Turley and Micah McDowell. I watched them play in the Baton Rouge Regional last year, and, man, they were awesome. They made some incredible plays, had some really clutch hits, um, and are going to be a big part of Oregon State's success this year. You know, their their knock is going to be on the mound. It's just going to be who's going to step up for them. You know, I think Aiden May is going to be their Friday night guy, at least to start the year. He kind of had a rough year. ERA was a little inflated, you know, but, you know, can can he make, you know, take that next step and do do enough? Because this pitching staff doesn't need to be lights out with the lineup that they've got. But can they do enough? That's going to be the big question for them. Yeah, we'll find out. Yeah. No, that, that's a really good point. And when we talk about doing enough, if we move on to number eight, Texas A&M. You, we mentioned it earlier about legendary coaches. They've got one. You talk about earlier about oh, the transfer portal. They've mastered it. Texas A&M. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> there's a lot to like there, Charlie, about what oh A&M God. is doing there. And uh, the best fan base in the country, maybe outside LSU, they have a lot to like, a lot to like. Yeah, uh, there's a ton to like. I think maybe their biggest loss of the year probably was Nate Yeske leaving, if anything. <laughs> yeah. I'll top my head. That's probably their biggest loss. But, I mean, you're ha- it's great when you- you're always pumped when you get a star player as a freshman. That's what you got last year, Jace. How do you say? Is it LaViolet? Lavalette. Lavalette. Thank you. Okay. I'm, we I can't read it. I really can't read it. Yeah. We, we do. Yeah. Idea. Alex is saving the day Alex over day, here. <laughs> no, pun, no pun intended. Um, two transfers, though, that I'm very, well, th- really three, because Hayden shot out in left field coming from Columbia is intriguing as well after he hit over 300 last year. But obviously, the biggest headliner of 
not of college baseball, but close to it, really, but at least for the AM fans, is Brady Montgomery coming over from Stanford. I mean, one of the best players in college baseball in general. I mean, what's if what I'm going to say is already probably been said about him by somebody else somewhere, but he's an advanced bat with an advanced approach. He's obviously a smart kid if you got into Stanford. He already proved how good he is at the Pac-12. I don't really feel like there's going to be much of a fall-off, personally, for him when it comes to the SEC. So I think he's going to transition just fine in that outfield with a and I'm excited for him to get into that kind of A&M rowdiness and the, the fanfare that goes down on college station. So I'm pumped about him. The, que- the, um, the question mark for me with this team really is the pitching staff. Because similar to Oregon State, um, if you look just at the numbers of the guys in this pitching staff, it doesn't really get you pumped up. Justin Lampkin had a, almost a six ERA last year. Tanner Jones coming from Jacksonville State almost had, was closer to a six. And then uh, Chris Cortez had an eight. But the thing about all those guys is, too, they do have talent, and they're very very talented at that, too. So if they do take the steps necessary to go forward, this could be a rock-solid pitching staff, too. Yeah, certainly. Uh, they've, they've got talent on the pitching staff, but this this team is going to be led by the hitting. I mean, you talk about Jace Lavalette, uh, you know, and Braden Montgomery, Ryan Targosh. You know, they've got five guys that hit uh, double-digit home runs last year. You know, if there's a team that's going to challenge Florida for maybe most home runs, I think it's going to be Texas A&M's lineup. Yeah. Um, but man, that pitching staff is really a huge concern for me. Um, I just don't, I don't have a lot of confidence in their pitching staff, and you know, uh, I've kind of gotten some heat from that from some of my other, you know, uh, contributors over at College Baseball Central. Uh, I am, I would not have them number eight in my personal top twenty-five. But uh, that lineup is scary, and you know, so if, if they they may have to score ten runs a game, but they can do it with that lineup. That's true. I I I, I do tend to agree with you. I do think they're ranked a little too high for me. If you're gonna be eight, I feel like if you're gonna be like a top ten preseason team. I I in my opinion, I have to feel confident in pretty much all facets of your game, and that yeah. I really don't feel with the pitching so much. No, I get that. I get that 100%. Let's see what A&M does. Obviously, Montgomery is the sexy thing to watch, I think, for this team, of course, with what he can do in all facets, but I agree. As we move on, another SEC team, another team that's got a fiery coach, a fiery just everything, Tony Vitello, Tennessee, Rocky Top. They come in at number nine. And you talk about another pitcher of the year candidate. It's a short list, y'all. Yes, that's synonymous with a lot of the top 10 teams. But another candidate, Drew Beam. Drew Beam is a guy. He is a guy. And he is really good. Christian Moore is great. Billy Amick is great. I mean, this is a solid team. And I think that they've just, the program is there. I think it was a slight build for a while, but they've been there and they've stayed there and they're really good. Yeah, they are. Um, Just uh, the guys they return, like it's going to be so, we could talk for 10 minutes alone on just Blake Burke and Christian Moore being back as juniors after having really good years. I mean, Christian Moore is probably my favorite guy to watch in the box in all of college baseball for me personally. So obviously very excited to see him again. Well, you did mention Billy Amick. That was a gargantuan transfer for Tennessee to get. The guy I'm also very excited about to watch in Zane? that. We say? Oh, I was going to guess you were going to say Zane. No. So, okay, we'll talk about that first. So I saw Vitello today said in it, um, at a press conference that uh, they don't know when Zane Denton will be back with the team. So I know it's it. All I know is all I've ever heard is it's personal issues. So, yeah, 
obviously life is bigger than baseball, so hopefully everything that's going on with Zane is okay and he's doing all right. Um, but back to the baseball, another guy I'm excited about is Cannon Peebles was somebody that I was a little surprised transferred after lighting it up as a freshman hitting 352 at NC State with 12 homers and 11 RBIs. But Will, you also mention, I think Drew Beam is a great pitcher. And I think he's been a, a very consistent rock solid pitcher for Tennessee since he's a freshman. He's got a little bit overshadowed by um, a couple of chases in Dollander and Burns. But uh, there's one guy to watch, and what I don't really care what his results will be this year, but in terms of his pure electricity, AJ Russell's going to be must-see TV every Saturday. Yeah. Yeah, AJ Russell's a beast. He's, a, he's an electric factory. Um, and, but, uh, you know, I'm really going to be looking at uh, this lineup. You know what I mean? We talked about Connor Peebles. I mean, we didn't even mention Blake Burke. You know, he's a beast. Yeah. Christian Moore's a beast. Dylan, I, I expect Dylan Dryling, uh, you know, Hunter Inslee and Kavaris Tears to really, you know, kind of take a step up this year. Really looking for them to do that. You know, and Drew Beam. I mean, he's, it doesn't get any more rock solid than Drew Bean the last two years. He's been kind of the number three guy for Tennessee the last couple of years. This year, they're going to count on him to be the number one guy, and I think you're going to get a ton of solid production from him. Yeah, and, and uh, before, gonna, oh, and before we, we go, uh, A.J. Russell last year, granted very small workload, but his slider did have a 44% whiff rate last year, So, which is ridiculous. The stuff is there. I mean, it really is. I, I'm good pull, good pull on the good use of the stat there because they've got stuff all over the staff and they have had for years and they're going to be great again. Now, as we move on to number 10, I think a team, if anybody is going to knock off the king, you best not miss in Wake Forest, a team in the same conference, Clemson. Clemson. They had some noise that they made a season ago. They did, especially late. They were the hottest team in the country late. They had a guy like Jimmy Obertop, one of the more experienced players in the country coming from Michigan. And, yeah, he hit 200 last year, but he's a guy I expect to be their backstop. You got Cam Canarella, a sophomore who – yeah, you talk about something that's just sexy about how good he was as a freshman. It's there. I mean, and then Austin Gordon probably fronting this staff. I think the pitching overall is the biggest question for this team because there's a lot of hitters on it. Um, but they're a team that just steals bases. They do a lot of things right. I like the speed with Canarella. And, and overall, I think that they're going to do a lot of things the right way. Shortstop coming in from Davidson, I think, uh, is going to be great and hinder lighter. But overall, I mean, uh, Clemson is a team in the top 10. I have no issues with it. Yeah, um, that's fa- it's very fair. Um, I think Jimmy Obertop will for sure be better this year if he's healthy. Because last year he was hindered by health, health and will. You and I saw him back when he was first coming to Michigan, coming out of old St. Louis when he was playing in the Carshill Collegiately. Yeah. Granted, that was COVID, the COVID. That was COVID times, and also was a mixed bag of uh, talent in that league. But the thing that was very obvious about Jimmy Obertop, he is going to strike out. But that dude does have legitimate light tower power. Like I've, I've seen him do it. The wood bat in his hand, he can absolutely just rip the ball off the seam. So I'm excited to see him play this year. Uh, Will Taylor to go along with Cam Canarella, and then also Alden Mathis from Richmond to send the round out of that outfield. This could be one of the better outfields, not only in the AC, but in the country. But the guy I want to talk about, because I'm very excited about him, is sophomore Tristan Smith, probably the Saturday guy, left-handed pitcher. Uh, when we talk about, look, 
what just like I quoted earlier, Corey Mascara saying, if you had like a four or five ERA in the ACC as a freshman, you're probably pretty darn good. And I would tend to agree with him when it comes to Tristan Smith because he did have a four six last year. And then when, when I when I tell people who don't know about a guy like a Tristan Smith, where maybe that that four six five is not a sexy ERA, I would say look at this: in 31 two thirds innings pitched, he struck out 43. And then also last year, he throws in the low 90s, which is nice, but his slider and change it both produced a whiff rate of 33% exactly last year. So that what that tells me is he has the stuff to become, an, a, obviously not only a good Saturday starter, but also potentially an elite arm for Clemson in the future. And that's kind of why I'm more high on him than maybe some are. Yeah, Clemson's a really solid baseball team. You know, I think that they um, they don't – there's not like one thing that you're like, oh, man – they really need to work on this. And there's not really one thing that they're like, Oh man, they're going to be, uh, you know, special at this. Yes. You know, they're just, they're just solid all the way around. Uh, Eric Backich is a really good coach. They're going to have, he's going to have this team ready to play. Yeah. Uh, one thing that concerns me is I think they're going to, they're going to have some freshmen in some key spots. Yep. Um, and so, you know, how those freshmen develop is going to be key to how their season goes. Uh, but you know, Cam Canarella and Will Taylor are beasts, and they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. Um, like you said, their outfield is just stacked, and but uh, you know, the, there's nothing that like wows me about Clemson, but mm-hmm. I think they're going to play solid baseball, and they're not going to beat themselves. Yeah, that's a great point. Hopefully, Tristan Smith does wow, though. I'd love I'd love to be right about that one, but <laughs> obviously, TBD. And speaking of hope, I think that this is a program number 11 that the hope is there the belief is there but the can we get over the hump question mark is also there they've been to five straight regionals they're great haven't made a world series and that's just i guess the only blemish on a resume of a team that has jacob starling who i love who has jjc Really, a guy who should be talked about in the same breath as some of the best players in the country, Jacob Jenkins Coward. I love what he's name is my name, too. And so, uh, 293, 293 is what he hit last year with uh, multiple double 13 doubles, nine homers, and he was great. I th- I think this team is very impressive, and, and there's a reason why they're in the mix year in and year out. Cliff Godwin. One of the best coaches in the country, and he has over 350 wins. He hasn't even been there a decade. So I think that you have to look at this team. You have to look at what they've done, and you have to expect that the American Conference is all theirs. Yeah, you kind of have to. I mean, when you with this lineup paired with Trey Savage on a Friday night, like you can almost just check that off as a win automatically. Like there's, there's like, it's just not a whole lot going on that you're going to do to beat Trey Savage. Like, he, like I know we've said this, but we're a broken record to this point about this, but he's also another guy that could win pitcher of the year if he has another a great year. I mean, he was two, six last year with 105 strikeouts and 76 innings pitched. And to go with that, with the backstop they have with Chris or sorry, Chris, Justin Wilcoxon back for another year after a stellar year where he hit over 300 had 20 doubles, which you don't typically see from a catcher. I'm very excited for this ECU team. I tell myself about this every year. I'm like, is this the year ECU finally does it? And I've been wrong since, but I'm going to keep drinking that Kool-Aid till, I, till they do it. So I think this actually could be the year that they finally break through. But history usually tells differently. 
you know, every year is ECU's year, right? So yep. we'll see if this is one is uh, is actually it. You know, Cliff Godwin's a heck of a coach. Um, you know, I'm certainly rooting for them to finally make it. You know, it's going to be that'd be a ton of fun to see that fan base in Omaha. Oh yes, that yes. Uh, but yeah. and this team can do it. This team can get there. Um, you know, this Trey Yesovich is just. I mean, he's just a beast. He's he's in the conversation for pitcher of the year this year. Um, and you, you talk about JJC and they've got a, a solid lineup. That's going to be really good. And, uh, I'm really excited about the freshman, Ethan Norby, the mm-hmm. freshman pitcher. I think he's got a ton of talent and I think, you know, he might, he's gonna be the next great, you know, ECU pitcher. Yeah, I can, I can see it. And then one last thing I'll add, actually, um, I think if this offense is going to be like become truly elite, I, and he was good last year, but I think people expected maybe a little more. If Jacob Jenkins Cowart can really become like the star I think people thought he was going to be last year, this just becomes a goofy team to pair with. Also, I think Bristol Carter is a very interesting freshman to be watching playing in center field as well. Yeah, Charlie. I mean, I think JJC is going to be a star, I think. But I think also when you look at what they do, they have to throw the ball well when it matters most. That's been Indeed. the thing for this team down the stretch and and speaking of throwing the ball well when it matters most um a team that's been put on the map a team that's been known as we get to now the dozenth team if that's word number 12 duke blue devils they're a team we're going to talk about under the direction of a good coach named chris pollard under the direction of just a team that has been known as a basketball school but i think the pendulum has shifted as Coach Shevsky has left, and Chris Pollard has put this program on the map over a decade here. They have a lot to like, and I think when you look at the transfer portal, uh, they hit the jackpot, really. I mean, you you get a guy in Logan Bravo from Harvard and Wallace Clark from Oklahoma, Ben Miller from Penn, and Zach Morris from VMI, all guys who are going to be on the infield. Their whole infield is transfers, and then <laughs> you get a guy like Andrew Healy, I think he he's he was so good. He had a 2-3-2 ERA last year. I don't know where he's going to fall in the rotation, but he's a guy to watch. A lefty sophomore this year, impressed as a freshman. Um, I like the Blue, Duke Blue Devils for sure. Yeah, I think the strength is for sure this – well, perceived strength, I should say. I look at it as a strength because even though the, the body of work necessarily isn't there in terms of innings pitched – the talent and what they did do in their uh, the amount of times they got in with Santucci, Healy, and then Fran Oshell as well. I think this could be one of the better one one or Friday through Sunday pitching staffs in the country for sure. The thing that does worry me about this team, Will, well, these are talented um, transfers. We we got it. They got in. Uh, VMI, Penn, and Harvard are not exactly playing any kind of top tier competition for the most part. So that might yeah. be a little worried given how competitive the ACC is. Well, obviously, if you know, they transition fine, that worry kind of dissipates. But the, a guy I'm excited to see with a full workload is Devin Obi in center field. He was a part of that really loaded um, well freshman class with Jonathan Santucci and Alex Mooney a couple years back. So I'm he's kind of one of the guys that hasn't really gotten his real shot yet. He only had 68 plate appearances last year and wasn't great in them. He, he did hit 232, but he's going to play great defense in center field at minimum. I do think he's going to be perform a lot better out the plate as well. Yeah, you know, the strength of this Duke team is their pitching staff. Their bullpen is elite. Their starting pitchers are really good. Uh, you know, that's that's where they're going to be led by. You know, you wonder how they're going to score enough runs. 
but yeah. that pitching staff is going to keep them in every single game. You know, I'm really excited to watch uh, Fran O'Shell uh, yep. this year. I mean, he had a sub one ERA in what almost 40 innings, 39 innings pitched with 66 strikeouts. I mean, that's just gross. It really is. And also, the to do that, and I said this kind of earlier too. If there's no perfect guy to help lead this somewhat unproven, not unproven, I should say, but unexperienced in terms of starting pitching, then Alex Stone, the catcher, to lead these guys through it as well. Yeah. You know, they, they, it's a great group of guys, and Duke is going to be, you know, in that conference, right? We stay there as we go to number 13 in NC State, but obviously Wake Forest, obviously Clemson, Duke, and now as we talk about an NC State team, it's a difficult league, kind of like the SEC is. A lot of teams that we're going to discuss within the same league, and obviously even the 14th and 15th team in Virginia and North Carolina, they come from that league as well. So when you talk about the pedigree of this conference, it's evident. Uh, but as we move along to the 13th-ranked team of the nation in the D1 preseason poll, NC State, man, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for them for what yeah. happened in 2021, for them not to get an opportunity, and then for, for a guy like Mr. Tanks to say, see ya, and then for, for, for things to happen to this program. But, again, they're another team that gets a guy from Wichita State and Garrett Pennington who hit above 300, and Markowitz coming from East Carolina – I think that this group has a lot to like. Sam Highfield's another redshirt senior who I think could emerge in this rotation as well. Um, overall, I think they're going to be a very competitive team in this conference, but it's kind of a team. I know they're ranked 13th, but you almost forget about them with how good the SEC, ACC is sometimes, but they've got a lot of good stuff and talk about good catchers. I think Jacob Cozart is as good as it gets in this conference as well. So um, I'm going to be impressed with what they do. I, I would think, I think that they're going to need to hit the ball out of the park quite a bit. And you wonder where that power is going to come from. Uh, Garrett Pennington, can he have that same electricity that he had at Wichita State? That's always a question entering a higher level of the league. But I think that NC State, um, <laughs> you know, it's interesting. They had a losing record in ACC play, but they're 13th in the country preseason. But um, I think that you still like a lot what they can do. Yeah, absolutely. Like They have a nice blend of legit experience, some with NC State and some at other colleges like Alec. Markowitz from East Carolina, who's going to be their third baseman most likely. He didn't have the sexiest numbers a year ago, but he is a rock-solid third baseman. I don't think anybody's asked him to be the star of this team, as obviously Jacob Kozar is the clear-cut star of this um, Wolfpack squad, in my opinion. Um, they're kind of the reverse, in my eyes, a little bit with this Duke um, pitching staff, where we kind of know what we have with Matt Wildeson and Sam Highfill. Fritton, I think, could really blow up this year. But the nice thing about it, even though I don't think Highfield or Willison will be like legit superstars, I do have to take comfort from the fact that I know what I'm getting every Saturday and Sunday when it comes to those two, which has kind of eliminates the X factor of like, I don't see Sam Highfield as the kind of guy who's going to have three different starts where he only make it two innings or same thing with Matt Willison. My only, my biggest worry here, and Alex mentioned this for some other teams, and I think this would apply to these this team as well. 
second base and DA second base and then DH probably gonna be some freshmen with Luke Nixon, and Alex Sosa. So that might be a question to see if they can help carry that work- workload because um while they're very talented, they'll need to step up because guys, like I said, Markowitz is not a superstar in his own right. Question marks about Garen Pennington, how he'll transition. I think he'll be overall fine. I don't expect to be as good, but still be close to it. And then same kind of thing with Brandon Butterworth as well out of Western Carolina. Yeah. But they're good players, and this is a really good, this is a really talented squad. I don't think this is necessarily a squad that's going to compete for a national title, though. Yeah, you know, this squad kind of reminds me of uh, Clemson in that, like, they're really good all around, but there's not, you know, I don't, I, there's nothing that's like, that just wows you. That's just like, oh my God, they're, they're going to yeah. knock the cover off the ball or their pitchers throw a hundred miles an hour, you know, whatever it is. But, you know, they're just a, a really solid all around squad. Um, that's going to be fun to watch. You know I mean? You mentioned Jacob Cozart. He's probably going to be the first catcher taken in the draft this summer. Mm-hmm. And you know, he's, he's awesome. And, the Cincy State squad is going to be fun to watch, but it, they're not, uh, you know, not necessarily the, the class of the ACC this year. But they, you, you better, you better take them seriously because if you don't, if you mess around with a squad like this, that's not going to beat themselves, that's going to be really good, uh, you know, on the field, not going to make a bunch of errors, um, and just kind of be solid all around. Then you can mess around and lose, you know, to a team like this. You know, Wake Forest could even mess around. They they can mess around. They take NC State. You know, they don't take them seriously. You could lose a weekend series to these guys. Yes, NC State. I I think they'll be a perfect trap team this year. Like you don't want to play them when your team starts rolling because they're going to kill that momentum instantly. Mm-hmm. And I th- talk about momentum. Um, no team had more of it leading into ACC play last year than Virginia. What were they undefeated in non conference action? Damn near. Headed into that, that. and I think that when you look at Virginia, 14th in the country preseason, for good reason, for really good reason, and I will will have a quote um, from 8 Mile. It says, go home, here's a pencil, don't come back until something dope hits you, and don't come back until you write the name Jack O'Connor down. I really like him. I mean, he was number one prospect in the country coming in. This year as a sophomore, I I I really just think he 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 pitches. You know, some guys throw and they have stuff. He pitches, and I think he's a guy you would expect to lead this rotation. Six and two last year with three and a half ERA. Now as a sophomore, I cannot wait to see what he does. And yes, he is not related to Brian O'Connor, the legendary head coach who's been there a couple decades at Virginia. That's something to like about this team. And, and then again, I can't I can't talk about this team without talking about Griff O'Farrell. And, and I know yeah. I'm not talking about Mr. Saki as well out in the outfield, but man, Griff O'Farrell's. I mean, you talk, yeah, I can't even talk about him. That's that's how how excited I am about a guy who hit 394 last year and hit 20 doubles. So it, this is a team that has some star power. I don't know if y'all d- disagree with my stardom pointedness about Jack O'Connor, but Griff O'Farrell certainly fits that mold. And Virginia at number 14 is going to be an interesting team to watch for the Cavaliers. Yeah, uh, totally. And I definitely don't dis- – I mean, Griff, Griff O'Farrell is for sure a star. I think the second star of this team, though, is uh, Ethan Anderson. Yeah. Uh, when you have a catcher hits 375 and 309 plate appearances with 26 doubles, uh, 
yeah, sign me up for that all day and night. Like that's going to be awesome. Like you said, Jack O'Connor is very exciting. I think Brad Hodges and Jay Wolfolk are Wolfolk. Sorry, excuse me, are right there too. It's very interesting, exciting arms. Like they had good numbers last year. Like the only thing is, Hodges only had one game where he was the starting pitcher, and Wolfolk had zero. So we'll just have to see that. I'm sure it'll be a little bit of growing pains because, like as Will you and I would know, we were pitchers in college. Granted, I certainly did not get in much at all. Uh, it is a different mentality. You must ha- adapt though. With a starting pitcher versus being a relief pitcher, there's just totally different things. You have to figure out your routine. So it might take a little bit of time, and there will probably I expect be a little fatigue set in at some point in the season. But before I hand it over to Alex, um, much like Vanderbilt, I don't think they're going to be hitting the ball out of the park a ton. But instead of small ball, this whole damn team's be hitting into the gaps left and right because we, I, when I'm counting on on my screen, one, two, three, four, five, six guys in this batting order who had over uh, double digit doubles a year ago. Yeah, they're definitely a gap to gap, you know, type of team. Griffo Farrell is your quintessential table setter. I mean, he hit damn near 400 last year, and with 16 uh, stolen bases. And he's just a ton of fun to watch. He's one of the best shortstops in the country. Uh, and then, you know, you mentioned Jack O'Connor. He's awesome to watch. Uh, they were a ton of fun in, in Omaha last year. Um, I'm not sure if they quite that squad they had last year. They lost some key guys. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the, they they definitely have got some – there's some talent on this squad. And they're another team. It's kind of like NC State where you mess around with a team like this and they're going to they're gonna put a hurting on you quick. 100%. Also, before we go on that one, Griffo Farrell, just a cool name. I think it's just a good baseball name. Yeah. No, and I think, Charlie, baseball names, this is a segue that I could have prayed for. Because, <laughs> for real. <laughs> because when we get down to number 15 now in our rankings, North Carolina, a team that, I don't know about you guys, but to me, disappointed a little bit last year. And Mm -hmm. I think that they could be set up for disappointment again this year since they're ranked 15th. You're expecting a lot out of them. And the only reason I say that is because I'm concerned about Alex. You mentioned this about a team earlier. It looks like they, I mean, the pitching staff is a little bit of a question mark, at least in the rotation. They're going to have a couple freshmen in there. I know highly touted, but there's not a name in, in baseball Better to me than Vance Honeycutt. Is I mean, that, that is a name and a half right there. Um, th- there's been some great ones that we've mentioned on this podcast so far. But Vance Honeycutt, uh, un- unreal kid. But what is he going to do this year is the question. I know we kind of talked about this even before we came on the podcast, right? Yeah. He- he's a name you bring up before many when you talk about prospects in college baseball um, but let's be honest, he hit 257 last year with 12 home runs after he was the freshman that we all thought was going to blossom into the next best thing ever. And so what type of pitches is he going to have to hit? What type of lineup protection is going to be around him? A guy that I think is an X factor for him, because I, I fully believe in Vance Honeycutt's ability for me, other than their two freshmen that likely are in the rotation, is a guy named Alex Madeira. I think it's a guy that we need to know of. He had numbers that aren't ever going to be replicated in the ACC at 455 at Arcadia University. But part of me has a soft spot in my heart for a guy with the last name Madeira because that guy was the uh, a guy named Edward Madeira 
His brother was named Alex Madeira, best man in my wedding, played baseball, albeit it was at an NAIA. Um, it's different, no relation. I just love it a okay. little bit that he gets <laughs> 455 and um, he's going to UNC from, of course, Arcadia University. But it's something certainly to watch out for because he put up, I mean, he was All-American, All-Conference, one of the best D3 players you can be. But let's see how that translates to UNC. I think it, it's a question because what type of protection do you have around Honeycutt is really the overall kicker for this team because if I'm a pitcher and I don't have to pitch to Vance Honeycutt, I won't. But if you have protection around him, he's going to punish you with guys on base. Yeah, a um, couple of things. One, I fully thought you were about to just lay the hammer down that like your best man's brother is starting shortstop now for UNC. I'm like, building on that speaker for a while there. Get me going there. Yeah, that's like where I thought you were going with that too. <laughs> I did too. I was like, whoa, yeah, whoa. No relation, just a little bit of a tease for y'all. Um, fair to say the pitching staff is definitely the thing that is a big question mark with the squad. Is it's just unproven at this point. Uh, I think Jake Knapp has talent. I think he'll pitch below a five oh four ERA this year. I don't think he's like some superstar pitcher that's gonna, you know, put the team on his back and carry them to the promised land or anything like that. Um uh, I think this team could be a better offensive team than it looks on paper because well even if we don't get freshman production Vance Honeycutt I, I think he'll just be better this year if he's fully healthy I know he missed like 10 games last year at the back Alex I know we were kind of I was kind of playing a conspiracy theory before we started the recording that maybe that was hurting him a little before he even went on the DL that's you know I wasn't there I'm not going to hold that I'm not going to hold that against him the bottom line is he hit below 260 after being one of the best freshmen in the country a year ago Will, you mention in that, though, who can protect them? And funny enough, a couple of guys come to mind, but the first two I'll talk about are probably going to be his outfield teammates in left and and right field, and that is Casey Cook, the junior, who was very good last year, the sophomore, hit 317. I expect him to be a little better this year as well. If, even if he's not, I'll take a my left fielder hitting 317 with um good production with 11 doubles. And then on the other side of that outfield, Anthony Donofrio from Quinnipiac, had outrageous numbers a year ago, 17 doubles, 16 homers, 64 RBIs, 31 stolen bases. So the speed is there too. You don't always see that with this team, but him and Vance then are, you know, 19 and 31 stolen bases apart. And then the last guy I want to talk, well, two guys I'll talk about before I look, I'm, I'm going to be quick with it. Really excited that they got Parks Harbor at third base. I thought that was a really good pickup from them out of Georgia. And then a guy I would really love to see take a, just be really good this year because he was the top uh, Juco um, tra- um, transfer. Uh, back in 20... Sorry, political calls calling me soon. It's fake. Um, Alberto Azuna. I think he's been a little underwhelming for me since he came into the D1 and then UNC. We know he has that raw power. It just is... Can can he finally turn that into in-game power? Because it's there and I know he can do that. I'm not asking him to hit... He could hit 223 like he did last year, but I just, I just need more home run production from him. Yeah, honestly, I think uh, the question is who's isn't who's going to protect Vance Honeycutt, but is Vance Honeycutt going to be able to protect Parks Harbor? I mean, Parks yeah, Harbor yeah. had 18 home runs last year in the SEC. You know, uh, and, and then when you look at uh, you know Anthony Donofrio or Donofrio from Quinnipiac, he had 16 bombs. Now, granted, a lower lesser competition. So there's a question mark True. there, uh, but you know, there's. There's a lot of uh, potential pop on this team. It's just whether it's going to pan out. You know, we'll we'll see. Um, I think that's the biggest thing. There there is talent on this. There's a lot of talent on this UNC team. It's just, is it all going to come together? Are these transfers going to take this? You know, the next step is are those freshmen? 
you know, in the on the pitching staff going to be able to to handle the 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 grind of the ACC schedule. Uh, so you know, this is one of those teams that has a high variance. It could be, you know, they could be in Omaha or you know they could not make a regional. You know, the, yeah. I feel like that's that's kind of where they're at. I feel like they could be one of the fastest droppers out of the top 25. They just stumble out of the gate. Not that that's some death sentence by any means, but just given the inexperience in that pitching staff, I could see that having some bad losses early on and then just having to fight their way back up in that ranking. Mm. Yeah. And I think that when we talk about our next team coming in at number 16, I think that they're almost a complete opposite. Um, when you look at the rotation and – I know he might not be their ace, but to me he is. Tanner Witt. Um, just Charlie's clapping because Charlie loves him. And, I, I, I love um, Tanner Witt, man. I really do. He got he got injured last year. He 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 didn't get to have the year that he was hyped to have. I think that Texas baseball, a place where all your exes live. You're going to really enjoy uh, Tanner Witt and, and the opportunity for him to get on the mound. I'm not going to discuss all their personnel because Alex Day, I know he's loaded with it. Charlie Bornoff is loaded with it. The only other guy I want to mention is a guy who started his career at a team that I think could win it all this year in TCU, and that's Porter Brown. Porter Brown, I think um, <laughs> the speed, the power, um, everything about him I like a lot. I, I think he he just has that bat to ball skill, and that's why you see saw him hit above three twenty two last year, and he was a redshirt senior. Now this year, um, I think that he's going to be a catalyst for this offense in the outfield, along with Peyton Powell. I won't say any more because I said I just mentioned a name, but I think that you you have to like Texas uh, uh, for for at least what those two guys bring, and of course, Mister Johnson is probably going to be the ace. Also, a lot to like about him. Yeah, and I think the beauty is because I'm a Tanner with truther as well. I, I fucking love Tanner Witt. Um, so here's so I also love the Baron Johnson. So if he's, I think he's going to be obviously great once again this year. I'm not really worried about what he's going to do. So if you can get Tanner Witt back to what he was doing in his earlier years at Texas to top off with Charlie Hurley and um, Cody Howard as well, that really excites me from a starting pitching standpoint. But yeah, Porter Brown. Porter Brown's a classic. He's obviously a very talented player, and he's a stud. I also like about him, he just looks the part. Like he's got the broad shoulders. He's got. He's just yoked, and he's the kind of guy. Like, you don't know who he is. Like you're, if you put a random fan who didn't know anything about college baseball, and you had nine guys stand out in front of you and go, "Who's the best player on this team?" If you just looked at him, people would be pointing at Porter Brown because he's that kind of guy. But his counterpart in the outfield is a guy who I want to talk about, who was a monster as a freshman. I think he'll even be even better this year. I know I'm not alone in being high on this guy and that is center fielder jared thomas 321 batting average and 250 plate appearances last year getting that many at bats even as a freshman just at texas alone is impressive to me to do that with 15 doubles and then 10 stolen bases as well well also honestly i think 38 k's for the big 12 as a freshman i feel that's pretty solid plate discipline in my opinion so i'm very excited to see what he does as well and then an x factor for this team because he was not very good last year um but I think he's got the talent to do it. And I just kind of like, if you're at the floor, you can't go anywhere further down. I think that's shortstop Jalen Flores. Man, you stole my thunder there at the end. I was ready to come in here with, <laughs> with the Jalen Flores hype train. 
Uh, that's been all the buzz coming out of fall camp and all around uh, Austin is uh, how how much Jalen Flores has improved. Uh, I really like this Texas baseball team. Mm-hmm. They're in my Omaha eight. I think that they are they're ready to they're ready to get back. They hadn't been there. You know, they they missed out last year. They're ready to be back. I mean, they've been there more than anybody, and uh, they're they're ready to to be back and. LeBaron Johnson's a beast. You know, we've already talked about Tanner Witt. Uh, you know, we mentioned Jalen Flores, Porter Brown. I mean, these guys are just stacked and they've got a ton of experience. And then they got some freshmen coming in, but I think they have got a really good mix of veteran leadership and young talent. And, I, you know, I, I'm really looking forward to watching these guys uh, this year. And I, I really think they're going to end up in Omaha. Yeah, I, wow. I like that take. I'm, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. I think they're, I, I think we can all agree then that. I think they're a little uh, unfairly ranked. They should be a little higher up on this list. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I mean, of course, if you have them in Omaha, you got to have them up there. But um, true, true, fair. <laughs> here's a team for me as we go to number seventeen, and again, a picture perfect segue. I think, and you call me crazy, they went in 2016, but I think this is a team I could see in Omaha. And I don't just – I haven't said that about every team. I said that about TCU, um, and I'm saying it about UC Santa Barbara, and I'm saying it about UC Santa Barbara for many reasons, and I think people are questioning me right now, and that's fine. That is completely fine. But I look at this team's pitching staff, and I don't know if there is a – there's no drop-off in it. I mean, I, Matt Ager – he, I look him up. He pitched for Team USA last summer. Charlie, I'm going to get a pull for you. The whiff rate on the slider, above 40%. Yes. Throws 95. Hudson Barrett, I love guys that are 6'5", 230 out of the back. And this is a team I kind of went on a rabbit hole down um, a little bit, um, maybe mistakenly. But I think that, dude, like this team, um, really impressive. Ryan Gallagher also coming back from injury after he was big West freshman of the year in 2022. I mean, they just got guys who can really throw the ball hard. And then it's not just that they return about seven of their nine starters offensively. The gauchos I think are going to be led by their pitching. And if they stay healthy, wouldn't be surprised one bit. If Matt Ager, Mike Gutierrez, and Ryan Gallagher were in the rotation, lead this team to the promised land, which is known as Omaha, Nebraska. Yeah, I think they have real shot. I would go as far as say that I think they probably have the best Friday through Sunday. I think they might have the best starting pitching staff in the country, possibly, mm-hmm. going into the year. Um, I'm going to continue to talk about them before you kind of mention it. Matt Ager, to th- add a little couple more numbers um, onto that. 115 Ks a year ago. Yep. Yeah, his K rate in general was 30.3%, which is absurd. He only walked he walked below 7%. He is D1 baseball's 45th overall prospect. Before I get any more players, I meant to say this when I first started talking. I can't believe I forgot to do because I kept thinking I had to keep saying it. Probably the best, uh, one of the best series to start the year. They play Campbell to start the season. So that'll be, for all you fans are there, Campbell versus UC Santa Barbara to start the year is going to be a great way to kick off the college baseball season. But back to um, the team. I'm really excited about this pitching staff. Mike Gutierrez, I think, is still underrated somehow. I think he's a talented guy. But the guy I'm really excited about, will you mention him as well, is Ryan Gallagher. 
because Ryan Gallagher as a freshman is one of the best freshman pitchers like in the country, at least on the West Coast too. And Ryan Gallagher is doing that in the Big West that had Brooksley, who was really had a bunch of guys in the Big West that were studs already. Um, not only just Santa Barbara, that was a very deep Big West that year. So I was impressed with what he was doing while watching him in that. So I think he could be. I don't know if he's going to be better than Matt Ager, but I think he's going to be right up there fighting with Gutierrez for the second best pitcher on this team and kind of just provides even more depth and um, puts your mind at ease maybe a little more with him back because he missed last year from an injury. So the arms are obviously the big talking point. I am also excited about their left fielder, Ivan Breath throw, th- Thrower, I guess. I don't know how you say it. Breath Thrower. But 305 average, double digits in home runs and doubles a year ago. I uh, would like to see him cut down on his strikeouts a little bit, but that's um, kind of pulling hairs at that point or splitting hairs, I should say. And then Aaron Parker, too. He's been there. He knows he's pitched this pitching staff. Him at catcher back as a junior. Also double digits and doubles and home runs as well. Yeah, they're kind of your quintessential what you think of when you think of a West Coast team, right? Okay. They they pitch it really well. They're going to play a little bit of small ball. They're not going to bash it out of the yard. Uh, they're going to play defense really well. Um, I'm not quite as high on them as uh, as you guys seem to be, but yeah, I mean they, they are going to have an elite pitching staff, probably. I mean, certainly top ten, maybe top five in the country. I think there are some other pitching staffs in in the SEC and ACC that may, uh, you know, uh, maybe a little bit better than them, but uh, they're certainly super talented, uh, and they're going to be a fun mid major to watch and. They could certainly uh, hurt somebody's feelings come tournament time. They very well could, and yeah, also I'm gonna rescind my. They're the best pitching staff. They're def. I would say they're for sure could be a top five because I also kind of forgot Josh Hart, Michael Massey, and those boys exist as well, and Chase Burns and in Tennessee and those guys. But I'll say best, um, best small school one. I'll go that far, or non non power five. I but they say. they t- certainly fit the mold of. Being one of the best pitching staffs yeah. in the country, I think. I mean, we'll see. Jury's out. Jury's certainly out because other than Ager, I mean, you, jury's out. But I I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting discussion. Man, I've just thoroughly enjoyed the opportunity here on the Midweek Podcast to be alongside Chorley Bornoff and Alex Day here on this one. Um, and if you got, if anybody's still listening now, we thank you. We're listening to our chicken scratch and ramble about the top 25, but we continue and we continue on to a team guys that I, I there's intrigue is the first word for me. um, When you talk about coastal Carolina, because a guy that's nearing three decades at the helm and Gary Gilmore, uh, a guy that's one North of a, he has a comma in the win category. No enough said, but I I really am intrigued. I might not talk about maybe the guy who's going to be a superstar for him. He might be. But uh, the only guy that I want to talk about in terms of hurting somebody's feelings is Sam Antonasi, the D3 National Player of the Year last year, a guy who won a national championship last year. A guy who hit 515, drove in over 100 runs, scored over 100 runs, had over 100 hits. Yes, he did all those things. And I don't know. I look at their roster. I I look at D1Baseball.com. No clue where he's going to fit into this lineup. But I would be astonished, especially for somebody who has seen this guy play in person, 
if he isn't on a on a Golden Spikes list, I mean, this guy is legit. How is he going to translate? Obviously, is going to be a question. The, the pitching's going to be much better, even in this conference. It, it, going from D three to the D one levels hard. Um, and, and but I think that this is a guy. I I I'm really excited to see him. Obviously, one of the top JUCO guys in the country, and that's the only guy that I want to talk about because I think you guys need to remember this name. Um, I certainly hope he has a big year, and I think that he's going to be a big piece to the puzzle uh, for the, what this team wants to do. Probably going to be at the hot corner if I had to expect something. Uh, but then again, they come in registered at the dial at number 18 in the country. Is it fair to say he has the Will Connerly stamp of approval? That's fine. A lot of guys, it's not hard to get. <laughs> um, For the Charlie Burnoff stamp of approval, it's kind of pretty much this whole batting order, but two guys I'll really throw out there because they're both play the same position, although Caden Bodine or Bodine will be the catcher for this team. But Caden, Caden and then paired with Derek Bender, two legit stars on this team, bat now is with the bat and also defensively. I think Bodine's one of the most complete catchers in college baseball. And then if you look through the projected starting uh one through nine, the worst on base percentage from this very experienced, very deep returning team, not counting Sam, uh, because he wasn't on the team last year, slash was a transfer from Juco. The worst on base percentage is a 350, which is ridiculous to me. Like, this team is going to mash, and that's the thing that's going to be the power of this team is they can, they can, they're going to win a lot of games by just putting 10 runs up on you. But there is a question mark. It is, I am not high on this pitching staff. Like, I, they kind of worry me. I don't know. Like they need if they if they're average, I think Coastal Carolina will be a very competitive and stay in the top twenty five. But this, I don't. I have question marks if they'll even be a very average pitching staff. Fair. Yeah, you know, I uh, anytime Coastal Carolina comes up, all I can think about is uh, twenty sixteen Super yep. Regionals in Baton Rouge, and it just, uh, yeah, it hurts my soul. So. I can't uh I can't ever really say good things about Coastal Carolina. Hey. It kind of <laughs> it goes against my religion. But uh you know one uh, one thing I will say is that uh they they do have a, an excellent lineup. Um and they're going to be a, a a dangerous team, you know, and some as a two probably in somebody's regional um that you know you're going to have to watch out for cuz like you said they can put up 10 runs in a hurry. Um and they'll they'll put a hurting on you, but they'll also give up twelve. So you know yeah. we'll see how. It goes. <laughs> and that's the thing that worries about me because I am of the school of thought where if I had to choose one, I'd rather roll into uh, a weekend series with elite pitching versus elite offense because I think it's easier just it's easy to ask your team to put up one or two runs versus hey man we need you we we know we gave up twelve runs but we kind of need you to put up thirteen today. Elite yeah. pitching beats elite hitting nine times out of ten. Absolutely. Baseball's a game of failure if you're a hitter. So it is. And if you are a hitter, also going up against a guy, um, as we transition on to our next team in number 19 in Alabama. And when we talk about the Crimson Tide, I would it's hard to say. It kind of feels like they're one of those balanced teams. Got a little bit on offense, a little bit on defense, maybe a little bit more on pitching because of my bias. And this bias is great because Alex Day is here. And you would appreciate this, a guy who I would expect to be their ace 
is a guy with the last name Hess. Ben Hess. No relation to, I will dub it, the great, what, 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", big fireball, big eyeball Zach Hess at LSU from years back. But he is a guy who I would expect to lead this Crimson Tide rotation nonetheless. And I think that overall, with Rob Vaughn, I like what their opportunity is uh, to, again, kind of be an NC State, be a sleeper team within this league. And TJ, also McCants coming from Ole Miss, um, I think he's going to have a good year in the SEC too. Uh, I'm going to start this. If you had told me when that Brad Bohannon news broke that Bama is going to not only hire Rob Vaughn but also be considered a top 25 team by any major publication, I would call you crazy because – that's a really hard thing for a program to bounce back on, let alone like it retooled fairly well, in my opinion, for the amount of time that they had to do it. So I am impressed about that. I think that's already a hollow victory for the Bama fans. But this is the SEC and hollow victories don't mean a damn thing in the SEC. It's all about winning actual ball games, And I think this team can win some ball games. I don't think this is a an Omaha team necessarily, but I'm more bullish on, on the future of Alabama because I am a big Rob Vaughn guy. I think he did a great job in Maryland, and now I think with the resources and just being in the South, it'll be easier for him to recruit higher leverage players like a Ben Hess or a Riley Quick. I think Riley Quick and Aiden Moza um, poise as very intriguing arms that I'm excited to watch this year. Uh, they have had good numbers in their appearances from a year ago. Granted, Moses, the one that threw the most innings of those two, and that was only 23 and a third innings pitch. So we'll see what they do with that. Ben Hess, I think, will be really good this year. I am a TJ McCants has a, uh, a soft spot in my heart for, for whatever. I just like the guy, but I will, I'm also, I will kind of agree that I think he's kind of be, I'm not super high on him this year. I think he's going to play good defense in center field. I, but I do think we're going to see a similar TJ McCants to a year ago where it's that. 230 to 250 batting average with maybe 10 home runs. Um, but I mean, that's, you know, it is what it is at this point. You are the player who you are. Evan Slight is the guy that I'm more looking forward to seeing this year as the big transfer in my eyes from Rutgers. He hit 315. He had double digits and doubles and home runs. He broke even when he came to strikeouts and walks drawn. So I think those are good things. And then beforehand to Alice, I just want to mention, I just think it's cool. One of their freshmen's last name is LeBron. That's it. <laughs> yeah, you know, this Alabama team is another one of those teams where it's it's a high variance where it if everything works well, you know, they could be, you know, maybe maybe host a regional, maybe in that conversation if everything goes perfect, but or everything could just completely go sideways and they miss the tournament altogether. I mean, that wouldn't surprise me either. So, you know, it just it just depends. It is they brought in a ton of transfers. They're going to be relying on those guys. They lost a ton of talent when you talk about Luke Holman and Colby Shelton and those guys. Um, but you know, I, I talked to uh, to Alton Davis uh, on Monday. We had him on uh, on my podcast, and uh, they are fired up. They are ready to go out and uh, and kind of prove some doubters wrong. Um, and you know, just on that, you know, he kind of got me fired up a little bit about Alabama talking to him but um you know they uh their team you just there's just so many question marks um that you just don't know what they're going to be i mean rob vaughn is a really good coach uh he did some great things at, at maryland but it's his first year in alabama at alabama's first year in the sec you know we'll we'll see how it goes um and i think that's just that's that's my take on alabama's we'll, just, we'll see 
We'll see. Is it fair to say, and this is kind of an impossible thing to project because it's college baseball and theoretically dudes only stay there for four years, but five years from now, do we think Bama could be one of the most improved teams in the country in terms of reputation? I mean, they could. I mean, possibly. I mean, yeah. Rob Vaughn's a really good it. coach. I yeah. buy it. I mean, like, what, like, like you and uh, Jake McKeever. Is it McKeever? Am I saying that right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Sweet. That you guys are calling, and I don't disagree with this, the Big Ten is kind of more of a group of five, and the fact that he made Maryland so good in a fairly quick amount of time, Leaning. now he's got real resources in a real conference. I'm very excited to see what Matt, he's going to do. Matt Shaw. Yeah. I mean, they and do. Al- in- Go ahead. I was going to say, Alabama they just have some history. I mean, you yeah, know, you talk about the 90s, Alabama was right up there with LSU with mashing baseballs, and uh, you know, so there, there's some history in the Alabama program, and you know, we'll like I said, we'll see. I, you know, I think I'm I'm a big Rob Vaughn fan. I think he's he's a really good coach, and he's certainly got uh, got Alabama trending in the right direction. Just this year is not really going to be their year. I agree. Okay. Well, speaking of right direction, that's the direction I think uh, the team number twenty in these rankings has gone in Iowa. Uh, they they've not only become a team that's known for pitchers, and I won't talk about a pitcher if I don't talk about the hardest thrower in the country in Brody Brecht. Um, uh, who struck out over 100 guys last year. He'll do it again, I guarantee it, if he stays healthy. Um, you know, he can exceed 100 miles an hour. That's enough said. But what Rick Heller has done in a decade here, you have to commend what he's done. I, I like Sam Peterson, too. He's dynamic. He's fast. He can hit. He can hit for power. He, yeah, he can hit for average. Um, he's going to be a key cog in this order. Uh, but Brody Brecht really is all this team is about in Iowa. Yeah, I mean, he is. If there's anybody that's going to be putting butts in seats in Iowa in the middle of March, it's going to be Brody Breck. Because, listen, brother, Will, you know, you and I spent plenty of time up in Iowa City. Uh, there's not a lot. Of, there's not a whole lot of um, hills or mountains to keep you from that wind ripping straight through your clothes every single time you're up there. So, if you see fans in the stands that aren't related to the players, it's because they heard Brody Breck is in town. Uh, this is a the pro. It's it's a very exciting um, starting rotation that I really like because I'm also. A big Marcus Morgan guy, and I also think Cave Obermuller could be a guy that could really click this year as well. After showing off, uh, showing a pretty solid performance last year as a as a freshman, and I think given um, Iowa's track record of developing pretty good pitchers, I think that he's going to be another one in the line of that. But a guy that I'm looking at that I think will be a great catalyst for this team, and a, a common thing if you've listened to podcasts before, but I'll say it again: is I always look for in a team, especially like these guys with experience at high leverage positions and that's exactly what i see when i look at think about michael seager's manning down shortstop he hit 322 last year and 277 plate appearances he's not gonna he's not gonna wow you as a prospect per se like only four home runs and seven doubles but he's gonna play really good defense he's gonna get on base he's gonna be a grind he's a he's just a quintessential he's the quintessential college baseball guy is he like yeah. gonna be a first round pick no but he's going to be a hell of a ball player. He's going to be in Big Ten contention all year for an all, all Big Ten team. He's really good. He's kind of the guy that's going to help make Iowa go on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah this Iowa team is definitely led by their starting pitching. Um, but at the same time, their biggest weakness is is their bullpen. Yeah. You know, I think they're, they're, they've got a solid lineup that's not, you know, it's not uh, it's not going to wow you, but, man, they're, they're just a really good lineup, a really good college uh, you know, lineup, but you know, obviously, like we talked about, Brody Brecht um, is is a beast. You know, I, I look for him to try and cut down on the walks a little bit. Last year, the walks got kind of out of hand in some in some games. You know, I watched him in uh, Round Rock last year against LSU, 
and I think he walked like six or eight guys and but yeah. struck out six or eight guys in five yeah. innings. That's so, a business you know. decision against LSU. <laughs> <though>. <laughs> yeah. But you know, so he was he was a definition of effectively wild. I mean, he ended up getting kicked out of that game because as he was walking off the mound, he uh, had some words for the umpire about uh, the umpire strike zone. He was not a fan of the uh, of the strike zone and then so he got thrown out of the game as he's walking off the mound. And then, as a result, had to miss his next start. Like it was, <laughs> it so was a mess. Bad. I never. Everybody was wondering what what just happened. Like he started walking towards the dugout, then all of a sudden he's walking off the field. And I was, wait, wait, what just happened? <laughs> that's the beauty. That's the beauty of getting ejected in baseball. It's either it's super obvious because the guy's right in your face, where it's like next thing you're like, oh, what's going on? What happened? It takes like twenty minutes to figure out what exactly it was. And I'll also <laughs> add, uh, Alex, like you said, Brody Breck needs to cut down on the walks for sure. But I'd also add Marcus Morgan does too, because in 65 and a third last year, he did walk 51, which is certainly mm-hmm. not great by any means. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with their the struggles that they're going to have in the bullpen. They need to yeah. not – those bullpen guys don't need to be coming in with bases no. loaded. No, they don't. And, I, and I'll say this. I, third inning, right? Fast. Yeah. And I will say I do believe that both those guys possess the talent to make that leap. But we obviously have to show that on the field in order for that to actually happen. Yeah. No, that's exactly right. And talk about showing things on the field. Number 21, Texas Tech, Tim Tadlock, as we move along in our rankings. I think this team starts and ends with their first baseman in Gavin Cash. Um, Dad. <laughs> see at 326 last year. Um, if you do the math and carry the one, he hit a lot of home runs last year as well, 26 of them. Um, it starts, it ends all the middle in between. I think it's Gavin Cash, and one guy is not going to lead the team in baseball. Look at the Angels over the recent years, but Gavin Cash is <laughs> True. a guy, um, and that's the only guy I want to talk about right now. Yeah, that's fair. I'll talk about some other guys then, too. Um, very excited to watch TJ Pompey. Uh, probably probably going to get some work at shortstop this year as a true freshman. So that's oh, anytime I see a freshman playing a big position like that, like a shortstop catch or something like that, as a freshman and a big team like and with the history of Texas Tech, that kind of speaks volumes to me when you have the experience there. Um, another guy that I'm excited about because he was stellar last year and it was also a freshman last year was uh, Gage Harrelson out in center field. The only thing I'd say about Harrelson that I would really like to see is if you're only going to have one home run, you can't be striking out 67 times. I need that to get cut down. Yeah, certainly. And, you know, this, this lineup is, is like you, you mentioned Gavin Cash. I mean, that's, this team begins and ends with Gavin Cash. As he goes, this team goes. Uh, he is by far their best player. He's one of the best players in the country. Um, and, you know, their lineup's going to have some freshmen. You mentioned TJ Pompey, who's highly touted, but, you know, it's a freshman. We'll see how it exactly. goes. Um, but, you know, I think their, their lineup is, is solid. Um, and obviously Gavin Cash is going to wow you, but then you wonder, okay, how are they going to protect him? Or is everybody just going to pitch around him? You know, um, I think they're going to miss Hudson White. I think they're going to miss Mason Molina, uh, but, and especially Mason Molina, because their yeah. pitching staff is, is looking a little thin. And so you wonder where, you know, how, how's that going to shape up? There's definitely some, some question marks there. Uh, but Tim Tadlock is a really good coach. Never count them out. They're a team that can beat anybody, especially at home. That there's an out in Lubbock, the wind is always howling out, and uh, anybody can just launch one off there. 
Yeah, that is true. And I'll say this too. Uh, looking at the, I'll say, I, I do think that that pitching staff will be better in terms of their numbers going for this year. But looking at this number, it's kind of gives me the same feeling as like drinking lemonade and brushing your teeth right away. Just because they're looking at those numbers. Funny. Charlie Bornoff with a good pull. That Thank is you. right. And how about the University of California at Los Angeles? UCLA, number 22, as we move along. Jack Holman is a guy I look at. Um, can he be a leader is one of my questions. This team has pedigree under John Savage, nearly two decades at the helm now for him. But the last time they made a World Series, it was 2013, and it weren't great last year really at all. Um, kind of a down year for them, which a little bit of a surprise after two years ago. We oohed and not about the recruiting class that they had that featured, of course, a guy who's the ace of LSU now, right? So, but but some of those things fell apart, obviously, heard and, and other guys left, but I think that they're going to hit. I mean, I look at their lineup and with Cody Schreier and Jack Holman, Malachi Knight. I, I mean, their offense seems experienced and good and um, uh, their pitching, I, I can never worry about it under John Savage. They just always have great pitching staffs and, you know, Luke Jewett, who's probably going to lead the rotation in some way or another coming out of the bullpen to probably pitching this year in the rotation. I mean, I don't know. It's just kind of a, one of those teams you think they're going to have a lot of success, maintain that ranking based off their schedule, but you just don't know how they're going to come together, but I'd love to see UCLA and Omaha. They're just a team that feels like they belong there. Yeah, they're they're one of the classic teams where, uh, kind of with baseball too. But I'm gonna use a football uh, example. It's like I always feel like football's college football is better when USC is good. That's how I feel about UCLA, where college baseball is always better when UCLA is good. Um, I am a big Malachi Knight guy. I was a big fan of that freshman class when they came in. He took steps towards the right direction this year after a disappointing um, freshman year. Now he's a junior now. Um, I'm praying for that breakup because that would really help a lot with this offense. Because the one thing, it's there's some experience there because guys like Rock Chawalski is a premier uh, freshman. He's probably going to be playing third base. But to Alex's point, it's a freshman. You never know. Pac-12 is still a Pac-12 for this year. We'll see what happens there. I do think he'll be decent. Um, but not only do I want Malachi Knight to really like explode, I would love to see shortstop Cody Schreier really break out in a big way this year because I do think he can and he has the talent and ability to do that. I think him and Knight are can be some real catalysts for this team as well as do scores as well at second base. But as just to touch on the um, pitching staff as well, I would say it worries me that there's limited workload with Finn McElroy and Luke Jewett, where Jewett's only 20 to 30 innings pitched. McElroy was 18 innings pitch. I really like Michael Barnett. They're all young. They're very, very talented, which is a classic Savage um, kind of pitching staff. Uh, a lot of young, a lot of uh, youth around this team. But if there's one coach that's going to be able to get the best out of his youth right away, it's going to be Savage. So if there's one thing to not be worried about, it's the fact that like Coach Savage can't get every can't get all these youngsters to adapt quickly and make them into a competitive squad. Yeah, you know, last year I was a I was really high on UCLA. I uh, I picked them to win the Pac-12 last year. 
And obviously that did not go uh, as I expected it to go. Um, you know, but uh, so, I, you know, fool me once, you know, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. So I don't know if I'm, you know, super high on this UCLA team. Uh, they've lost a ton of talent from that highly touted freshman class yeah. a couple of years ago that Will mentioned. Um, you know, two of them are sitting on LSU starting rotation right now with Gage Jump and Luke Coleman. But, uh, you know, I think, uh, like you said, John Savage is a really good coach. Uh, you know, we'll see what they can, what you know, what they can do. Uh, but I'm not, uh, I'm not super high on this UCLA team. Okay. It's very fair. Very fair. And Charlie, once we get to number 23, we're going to talk about Northeastern. And I think this is my cue to lay out. I think, Charlie, you need to take the reins on this. Obviously, Mike, Mike Lavin has done a, a, a great job with this program. But the, they're just Jack Goodman coming from Pepperdine. I mean, it, the the wheels start turning when you look at this team because it's a program out in the New England area at the D1 level, which has been the best, really been the best, and they are always there. Yeah, I um, like them. I I do like them. Uh, which is like I'd say, this is the team that's any year probably is probably winning the CAA. But how stacked this team is is perfectly timed with the fact that uh, Wilmington's very good, and then also Campbell's now in the CAA. So the CAA is top three. For anybody that likes watching some um, lower tier, not lower tier, I should not be saying that, group of five baseball, go check them out. Low but sports. this team starts and ends with the center fielder, Mike Sirota, one of the best players in college baseball a year ago. I mean, 18 homers, 19 stolen bases, 44 walks, 346 batting average, all as a sophomore. I don't care that it's the CAA. He's a stud. Everyone kind of knows him at this point. Like He's going to be a pretty highly drafted guy this year as well. Probably most likely a first round unless the shit really hits the fan with him. But besides him, I am also very high on their first baseman, Tyler McGregor. I think not so much as prospect, but as a pure college baseball player, I think he's one of the better first basemen in this team, much like Tyler McGregor on this whole roster. I'm looking at, I see a lot of guys with proven production and plenty of at bats at Northeastern, which is something that you look for with a smaller school team that, Kind of feels like you get those every year. It's a kind of stars line where it has the perfect mix of guys, guys figuring themselves out, knowing who they are as ball players, and then put, putting that on the field. That's kind of I feel Northeastern is offensively. And then to go with the pitching staff, I think Avon Cabral could be one of the um, biggest jumpers in terms of media um, discussion when it comes to pitching, pitching arms. Because I mean, last year, 83 and two thirds innings pitched. Sub 2-6 ERA, struck out 69 batters. Nice. Uh, he's fantastic. And then also Wyatt Scotty, I think, is a very rock-solid pitcher as well. I think what you, you see, if you look at his numbers last year, he was a, just below 4 ERA. I think that's kind of who you already have when you have a, a registered senior in Scotty, but that's a really ro rock-solid Saturday kind of arm. And him with K rule as well kind of, I think, provides a really good one-two punch for this pitching staff. Yeah, you know, Northeastern's another one of those teams, you know, kind of one of those mid-major kind of has a chance to be, you know, that Cinderella kind of team come turn yeah. come tournament time that uh, could, you know, break some uh, Blue Bloods heart, you know, kind of uh, a la Coastal Carolina in 2016. 100%. But, uh, you know, the, Mike Sirota is just an electric factory. I mean, the guy is awesome to watch. and uh, He is you know, there's a reason why he's, you know, one of the favorites on the Golden Spikes list, you know, one of the top 10 guys when you talk about odds to win the Golden Spikes. 
and you know he's a beast um you know we'll, we'll we'll see how it all works out for them but they they can really sneak up on somebody if you know if you don't pay attention yes and the big question mark will be is the bullpen of the team if there is a weakness to pick from for this mid-major it's the bullpen but i do believe in those first two starting arms and the starting pitch staff in general and then also charlie walker at closer i do think is could be a stud he only pitched 10 innings last year, but he did strike out 17 in those 10 innings with only four walks. So yeah, something to look out for. And I think also too, like you mentioned the home runs and with Tyler McGregor, Alex Lane, Cam Maldonado, they all hit double digit home runs last year. They returned five of those guys that hit double digit bombs last year. And they steal a ton of bases uh, Maldonado's, I think a guy 353 last year with 13 bombs. Somebody to watch out for. Um, I think Northeastern's been a team that's been slept on for a long time, and it's easy to sleep on them because okay, SOS win the conference they play, and okay, this and that. But I don't know. I mean, when you look at what they've done and what they have. This is one of the best rosters they've ever put together. And so <laughs> I'd expect them to stay in that conversation uh, for the entire year. So we'll see how that progresses. We'll certainly see how Charlie Bornoff feels about it here on the Midweek Podcast Weekly. Um, and, of course, Alex Day. If you want to check out what he does, he does a lot. We mentioned it at the beginning of the podcast, but he has his toes dipped in every single type of water. And as we get toward the end of the rankings and man, as we continue that, we want to remind you of that, that he's doing a ton of work for the game of college baseball. So follow him. Look at his hat that he's wearing right now and and, and just understand that it is rad. <laughs> college baseball is fantastic. And as we continue our rankings, Kansas State comes in at number 24. Interesting. That's the first thing that comes to mind for me for this group. Don't know if that's the appropriate word, but it's just the first one that comes to mind. If I'm going to be quite honest about this team, Pete Hughes, five seasons at the helm and, you know, he's been solid, but this team's on the map right now. And and I think for good reason, I mean, overall, uh, the guy I like the most on this team, it's bias, but I've seen him play multiple times in person is Daniel Rivera. Cause he was a D two guy at Southern New Hampshire. Saw him in the Cape Cod league. He's great. He steals a ton of bags. He has a ton of pop, ton of power. Um, I think he's going to be a constant, constant talking point when you talk about Big 12 baseball this year. And and, and I think overall, it, it's kind of interesting, right? They, they are just a team that's kind of emerged. Like, hey, don't forget about us. And D1Baseball.com giving them number 24 um, with a lot of transfers that they got. David Bishop from TCU. Obviously, SNHU we talked about with Rivera, Chuck Ingram from Wichita, so and even uh, Augustana Arm, who I really like. So I, I, I think that with this group, you, there's some intrigue for sure with, with what the Wildcats can potentially do. And I think they, they will get to a regional for the first time since 2013 this year. Ooh, interesting. Okay. I kind of don't know how to really feel about this team. Um. I don't think it's unfair to put them at 24. I also, I, I hear, I can see both sides of the argument of why they should be a top 25 team and why they shouldn't be. Because on the positive side, you do have Kalen Culpepper, one of the best shortstops in the country, who 
is an absolute bona fide stud at shortstop. Daniel Rivera, I agree, was a very exciting guy. The thing that sticks out to me that I'm surprised you didn't mention, the kid stole 50 bases last year. I get that it's D2, but I, listen, you don't steal 50 bases without having a good base running IQ and having some speed on there. And then you also have guys like Brady Day at second base. This infield's very good, clearly. You have Culpepper Rivera and Brady Day out there. Brady Day's an absolute stud. He almost hit 360 last year in the in the um, Big 12. But then you also have the pitching staff, the starting pitching staff, which I am not high on whatsoever. It doesn't really get me excited whatsoever. Then I also look within the um, one through nine, where there's certain guys I like to see more. Like David Bishop does have talent, but he did hit 214 a year ago in the same conference. So I wonder how much things will change with him there. Um, but then you also have guys like Chuck Ingram, who I Chuck Ingram raked at Wichita State, and hopefully he can make that transition to the Big Twelve. But overall, it's kind of a mixed bag for me. But I know it's kind of a little low on the arms. But there is one guy I've said but like a hundred times since I started talking. My goodness, good. the guy that I am excited about in the pitching staff is the closer Tyson Neighbors. He is a certified superstar closer, one eight five ERA, eleven saves, and twenty five appearances. Pitched almost 50 innings last year and struck out 86 in those innings as well. So he is a legit star. So you better have an early, you better get out to an early lead on a K State because if you don't have one later in the game, you might as well just call it quits in the eighth. Yeah, you know, this K State offense is going to be dynamic. They're going to score a ton of runs and they're going to be a ton of fun to watch. And then, you know, they're another one of those teams where they may put up. 10, 11 runs a night, but then they'll give up, you know, 12, 14, 15 runs. So, you know, we'll just, we'll just see if the pitching can do enough for them, but that offense is going to be a ton of fun to watch. I mean, Dylan Rivera, like you said, with 50, 50 bags. I mean, that's just, that's absurd. It's crazy. And, uh, you know, I mean, like you said, or, you know, like you said, Charlie, there's, you don't swipe that many bags without being really good at swiping bags. It doesn't matter what level you're at. So, and that, that kind of thing will transfer, uh, easily, you know, will he be on base enough? You know, will he hit 360? Probably not, but can he be 340? You know, absolutely, uh, yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, but you know, they're they're gonna be a ton of fun to watch for sure. Yes, and go ahead, Charlie. No, I'm just kind of I'm muttering to myself. It's like there's I just don't know, I really don't know how to like truly feel because I think Alex encapsulated it so well. But even with encapsulating, it's still like, are they really a top 25 team? I think it's just going to be one of those ones where we'll just know once the season's over. As yeah, silly as that sounds. There's the inherent doubt, right? Because they haven't been a powerhouse. But yeah. Daniel Rivera, baby, that's one guy I want to talk about, you know. But we're not going to talk about him any longer because we're going to talk about number 25. And we've Finally come made to it. a conclusion, guys. We thank you for staying with us. We're a couple more minutes. Hang with us on the Midweek Podcast. We've got a ton of fun for you because Mark Kingston has a team. And I think that South Carolina, when you look at what they are doing, to me, I'm wondering why they're not higher. You guys can tell me why, but when you got Gavin Casas, when when you got Parker Nolan coming from Vanderbilt, who we talked to Joey Holcomb, he's squaring up baseballs during the fall. When you've got Will Trip, trip it, tip it, when you've got – Blake Jackson, when you've got Kennedy Jones, and again, I saved the best for last. I saved it. Ethan Petrie, the best freshman in the country last year, maybe besides what, Mr. Condon from Georgia. But Ethan Petrie, baby, 376 last year, 23 bombs, Eli Jones and Matthew Becker in the rotation. Like, why isn't this team higher is my question. 
I mean, I think it's probably the pitching staff is the question mark there. I am a Robin Kimball guy. I think I understand like that he hasn't gotten to play a whole lot, but the talent is very obvious. So if he could put that together, which is probably a bigger if than I'm probably letting on to, I think that could become a very potent weapon for the Gamecocks. I do agree that I think they're a little underrated in terms of where they are in the preseason ranking because we know the we know the stars in Cole Messina, Gavin Casas, Ethan Petrie, obviously. Alex was talking about how he talked to Ethan before. It made me feel good that he said Ethan was a nice kid. That just nice little addition right there. But then there's also guys transfer-wise that are interesting to me because Kennedy Jones is a really good ball player, and he was very good at UNC Greensboro last year. Hit almost 360. He does have 14 doubles and 14 homers. I think he can transition pretty well into the SEC game. Obviously, I don't probably hit 355, but you know he might hit 310, even 290. I'll take that. Uh, another guy that I'm interested about because apparently the South Carolina guys have been calling him the Brett Gardner of the team is Blake Jackson, the Charlotte transfer, who looks to be the everyday center fielder for them. If you get, I mean, Brett Gardner was a hell of a ball player in his prime. If you're if they're comparing to Brett Gardner, I think I'm taking that all day. Yeah, you know, next to uh, LSU, this was the team I was uh, the most excited to talk about. This team is criminally underrated at 25. Go, go this off, This is a Alex. top 10 team. This is a top 10 team. I, I, this team, I think this team's going to be in Omaha. And they're going to have, they're going to be up there with Florida. Um, you know, it's one of the best lineups in, in A&M. It's one of the best lineups in the SEC and one of the best lineups in the country. Um, I think Roman, you mentioned Roman Kimball. I think he's in for a big year. I'm a, I'm a big fan of his. Uh, Chris Veach, he can come in and really slam the door. Uh, there's, uh, I mean, maybe you got a little bit of a question mark with, you know, maybe Eli Jones and Matthew Becker. They've kind of had a little bit of inflated ERAs, but I mean, you know, Eli Jones had a, a ERA of 395, uh, you know, last year in 22 appearances, 55 innings pitch, only six starts. You know, he's you're going to be kind of counting on him. So maybe it's, you know, that's a little bit of a question mark. And I guess, you know, that's why the guys at D1 had him way down here, but they would easily, they're, they're easily in my top 10. And I, I think that uh, they are criminally underrated uh, being down here. And uh, I think they're going to uh, be back in Omaha where they belong. And uh, Alex, you know, I'm going to build off. So I'm also inspired by you. Right I do think they're underrated um, to, to maybe help, put some minds, not merely put them at ease, but to help maybe look, make pitching staff look a little better too. Like I was saying, I can't remember who I was talking about specifically, but if you're looking at the ERAs and you're scared about those ERAs, which I assume people were with that 483 from Becker, and then 395 is a pretty solid ERA in my opinion. It's obviously not the world's greatest ERA, but like, look at the strikeout numbers in those innings pitched. Becker struck out 71 in 54 innings, and then Eli Jones, 66, or 63, excuse me, in 55 innings pitched. So these are guys that have enough stuff to make guys swing and miss. And they're now juniors, so in theory, if you're assuming that even though progress really isn't linear, I, in my assumption is they've already performed so they've been in the SEC. I think they'll be better than they were a year ago anyways. So it's on, and I kind of agree. I think Roman Kimball could absolutely go ballistic this year. So I mean, ah. and, and they were a number one team in the country last year for quite some time. I mean, before Wake Forest took them over, South Carolina was number one for a little bit. I mean, they're good. It's true. They are. Unless she was number one before before South Carolina. Well, it went LSU, and then it Ooh. went South Carolina. They took it over for a stretch. You're not rocking with me on that one. They did. They took it over. All right. I'll, I'll take your word for it. I, I don't remember that, but, you know, 
I, I think I may be just be like jaded after that, that South Carolina one? LSU series. Hey, last Alex, week. you know what, though? Who came home with the hardware? They, that's right. <laughs> well, and they were like 22-1, and 24-2. Yeah, they, 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 they had a stretch where they were awesome. Then they got some injuries. It kind of they kind of yeah, derailed them a little bit. Too. Yeah, and Jack then, Mahoney goes down. I mean, and they. I think it was – I could be completely wrong. We're going to post the show notes, but yeah, I don't know if we will. But Yeah, now, um, now I'm interested. Now I want to know. Okay. It was wow. Wake Forest. It was LSU – and then it was South Carolina for a brief period of time after they beat LSU, and then it was Wake of the Demons all the way until LSU beat them, in my opinion. Now, that shouldn't be an opinion because that's a matter of fact. You could probably check it, but that's what I thought was the case. But, Alex, I love it. The challenge, I love you challenging me because I could be wrong, and I'll admit it. I mean, this is on a podcast, so I'm not editing yeah. it. So uh, we'll see. Yeah, you know, I think, but I mean, they had a great team last year. Who, you know, like well, like we talked about, I don't know, I don't know if they were number one or not, but uh, you know, they they certainly uh, had their moment in the spotlight for sure. You know, especially you know they uh, they like to say that they were they performed the best against uh, Paul Skeens last year, and I mean, it's hard to argue with that. I mean, Kentucky also had a little bit of success against him last year, but they were the only those were the only two lineups that had any sort of success against Paul Skeens last year and they returned basically everybody from that lineup back. And so it's, uh, I mean, they're just, they're a stack team and yeah. they, uh, they belong in the top 10 for sure. Yeah. And even if they don't perform to that level, like they're going to be fun to watch regardless. Like this is a classic, like if your team is not playing and you're scrolling through the channels, like, Oh, South Carolina's on. Let me toss this on real quick. Like, who, if you, if you don't want to watch Cole Messina and um, Ethan Petrie play baseball, you just don't like baseball. <laughs> man and if you couldn't agree listen, more yeah i <laughs> charlie born off alex day i'll say this too if you don't like baseball if you don't like listening to the midweek podcast you don't like college baseball because you wouldn't be listening all the way till the end if you didn't so we thank you for that um we thoroughly enjoyed this um so much so much and i really appreciate it Alex, for you to take the time to chop it up with us about the rankings, we would love, um, again, to to plug everything you do um, because you do incredible work within the game of college baseball. Really, I mean, just I'm not going to say just like us because that's going to be for the fans to decide if we do incredible work or not. But with that same cut from a fabric of wanting to do this and wanting to cover the game, it, it's a ton of fun. And again, we couldn't thank you enough for joining us on the Midweek yeah. Podcast. Well, I appreciate you uh, inviting me on, fellas. This has been a ton of fun. Uh, you know, yeah, you can uh, catch me on uh, the weekend rotation every Saturday morning, and then uh, every Monday night uh, we record uh, the the hot corner on the SC for the SEC uh, folks out there. And uh, you know, I appreciate you guys having me on. This has been a ton of fun, and uh, we should do it again sometime. Oh, absolutely. No doubt. Open invitation for sure. And also, let's say it's ended too. This feels good to talk about college baseball again. Like, I know, like, we've all been doing our own, like, interviews and stuff for our podcast. And that's, you know, talking college baseball, that's not really talking about the upcoming season, like, what we're really getting into. I'm excited about that. Likewise. Well, y'all have a blessed evening and a blessed college baseball season. Thanks so much for joining us on the Midweek Podcast. Are you working? What kind of work do you do?